There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kremitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. Greg, you weren't here last week. I was not. That's correct. You were replaced by Paige and Blair for one episode. Yeah, I hope that's temporary, although they did a smash-up job. Yeah, well, we'll see how you do today. But um, Okay, okay. But last week, the three of us discussed the findings from the Future Proof Wealth Festival that I attended, and uh, that was a great thing to do, number one, but it was a fun conversation. We talked a lot about the findings of that conference. The main thing, Greg, was AI, which came out as a main theme. Yeah, you were saying, and you hear it everywhere, of course, but for uh, Luddites like myself, the question is, well, how does AI fit into what we do? That's not always so easy to understand. Well, I think it's just unknown at this point. But I think the known part is that AI will become a big part of our lives in the next few years. What it won't replace are things that we talked about are around risk, fear, and greed. It just maybe replaces some of the technical skills, but not the emotional being and the emotional part of investing that is just present. So today we're going to talk about something sort of emotional. It's been coming up more and more. Well, actually, first off, before we get into that, I feel like we've stepped back in time a couple of years because here I am recording from home. You're in the office. We're doing this over Zoom. Doesn't it feel like we're just back two years in the midst of COVID? It does. And I did once we were essentially allowed to come back into the office. And I think in in our industry, we were not restricted. And after working at home for the first couple of months, I was back in the office and was the only one and and uh, for a long time. And yeah, you're Zooming from home and it works beautifully as it turns out. And the reason I'm Zooming from home instead of being with you is that I have COVID right now. So I could always come in and give you COVID if you'd prefer. Possibly not. No, I think you're doing the right thing. Your wife and kids might feel differently, but they might want you in the office. Well, my wife has COVID too, and my kids are doing their best to stay away from us, which isn't hard because they do their best to stay away from us pretty regularly anyways, right? So so no change. No, but getting back to our discussion for today, the emotional thing, what we want to talk about, something that came up just yesterday, I was doing a, a meeting with a couple and they have a elderly parents and they've got adult children. And we talked a lot about the pressures put on them being in this sandwich generation where they're sandwiched between older parents and kids that they're still helping out and how risk, fear, and greed comes into those discussions. You know, that could be risk from financial perspective, but it could also be from an emotional perspective, what fears come from that. And of course, how greed can play into some of the decision-making, whether or not people want to acknowledge that. But I have a friend who always says that fear is transitory and greed is part of the human soul. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I think that will be present during AI revolution as well. But the sandwich generation is this group of individuals who find themselves 
as it says, sandwiched between the demands of these two generations. And they're caring for aging parents, but also raising their own children or supporting young adults. And it's a complex situation and it has unique challenges. Why don't you get into that? Yeah. And before we dive too deeply into the issue, let's just look at some data to point to paint a clearer picture. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, as of 2020, there were around 53 million people aged 45 to 64 in the United States. And among that group, about 47% were providing financial support to both aging parents and children. And that's a pretty big number. A huge number. It's a huge number. And I am part of that number. And uh, being part of the sandwich generation can be extremely challenging. Typically, as you point out, it's people that are in their 40s or 50s. And there was another recent survey just done in 2021. They reported most are actually in their 40s and at the heart of Generation X. And an additional study found that the average caregiver is typically, and I don't want this to be sexist, is typically a 49-year-old woman. So that's just a descriptive thing. So, But in recent years, this traditional sandwich generation has basically added to the menu or expanded the menu. So it's not as clear. So now there's the club sandwich generation, which are older adults in their 50s and 60s who are wedged between their older parents, their adult children who are in their 30s and 40s, and their grandchildren. And then there's also the what they call the open-faced sandwich generation, which is anyone who's a non-professionally involved in elderly care, which is estimated to be 25% of us at some point in our life. So you had to deal with this. You were looking after your mom and your wife's mom and kids. And there's different stresses around that, isn't there? Exactly. And listen, I mean, I guess at some point, we're all going to have to deal with that in some way. And so it's something that right now, it's just because there's such a large group of people dealing with that, but it's good to mentally, at least, and ideally financially prepare for that situation to arise. For sure. I mean, there's tons of statistics out there that show things like financial burdens that come along with being part of these generations and how they're rising. There was a 2022 study yearly, monthly, daily, and hourly caregiving costs providing average expenses per state. This is a U.S. data, of course, and the type of care. And depending on the need, from in-home care to community and assisted living to nursing home residences, the numbers were pretty steep, some exceeding six figures. And that's an annual six figures. So even before formal care options, these overwhelmed caregivers are spending an average of $10,000 per year providing for both their children and parents. And even with many Generation X being employed, they've taken a reduction in savings. They've had to increase their debt levels. And the Gen Xers are trying to, and I'm a Gen Xer, trying to talk about retiring, but also trying to talk about how do we care for our aging parents and our growing adults, right? Yeah. And so in that study, 43% of Gen Xers say they need to catch up on their savings and 49% are worried about running out of money once retired. And it's not all that clear when the average child costs $230,000 to raise. And actually, I heard that same statistic recently just on, a, on another spot uh, on the news. Uh, an aging parent isn't cheap either, coming at $140,000. That's an average number. So, I mean, in some cases, it could be a lot more. It's worrisome. And in fact, there's millennials are actually feeling a little bit better 
about their situation than Gen Xers, only because millennials have more time to prepare and save. Well, and, and probably they haven't had to deal with it, really, right? Because it's their parents that are dealing with it right now. That's right. As the population continues to age, the phenomenon is only going to become more prevalent. You know, we're talking about millions of individuals trying to balance caregiving responsibilities, their careers, and their personal lives. Yeah, for sure. And listen, money isn't everything, but there is a disproportionate effect on lower income workers. If you are earning $30,000 or less, additionally, you're spending more time actually doing the caregiving than those that are maybe making more money. But besides the financial issues, the stress of being part of this sandwich generation, I think can lead to things like burnout, depression, isolation, even guilt. How many times have I talked to my wife about, geez, I haven't called my parents in a while or haven't visited with them or something like that, right? Those are just part of that are in the sandwich generation might struggle with balancing even their other relationships as a result of that. So their families, their job, or how about this time for themselves, a little bit of self-care. That's something that's impacted when you're just giving away your minutes. It's a big thing. But moreover, if the uh, multi-generational caregiver we mentioned earlier is that 49-year-old woman, she'll spend 45 more minutes a day than the dad in that family helping her parent or child. And women are also more likely to experience higher stress levels as a result of that. Oh, for sure. You know, I, listen, I, I went through that myself when my mother was here living in assisted living. And, you know, and I was working and I had young kids at the time and, and trying to balance, okay, I've got to go visit mom, which of course you wanted to do. But then that time is taking time away from your time at home with your kids to who all needs your time, your spouse needs your time, and and you need some time. So yeah, uh, it is definitely lots of emotional issues aside from the financial side of things. This is a total aside, but did you know that by the time your kids are 18, you have spent 80% of the entire time you'll spend with them your whole life? Isn't that a sobering fact? It is. It's interesting you say that because on the one hand, you might think, you because the first 18 years is uh, pretty full-on attention to, to kids. But uh, I can tell you, having kids that have now moved out of the house, you sort of look forward to seeing them too. But that's an interesting statistic. I hadn't thought about that, and I'll have to ponder that one. Well, listen, there was a survey done back in, October, in 2020 that 74% of women reported doing more household management of childcare schedules and events than their partners. And conversely, the dads felt the responsibilities were equally split among each parent. So that's an interesting statistic between you know, the reality and personal belief. Well, your perspective is your reality. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, with rising medical bills, elder care services, tuition, household expenses for everyone involved, certainly it's emotionally and mentally taxing. And that can cause some pretty serious issues, including chronic anxiety. And so many professionals will recommend carving out time for self-care and wellness activities as being essential to maintaining uh, that kind of schedule. But a lot of people do uh, deprive themselves of caring for their own health. It's not just financial support. It's also about providing emotional care, being a caregiver, managing your own life at the same time. So that, that can have a fairly severe uh, emotional toll. So there's a lot of people experiencing some kind of psychological or physical strain and need to prioritize their own well-being, ask for help from others, set boundaries, 
And the scheduling time to pause, even if it's just 20 minutes, and in fact, about six in 10 adults in the sandwich generation live near extended family. So that helps in terms of allowing for the potential opportunity to share burden with other relatives, possibly in the circle. And that's an ideal situation, of course. Yeah, but I mean, I think of my own situation. I mean, my dad lives in Saskatoon. I live in Calgary. One of my brothers lives in Vancouver. And so as those people that are so important to us need help, how do you do that? It's one thing when you're close by and you can, uh, as you say, share the burden. How do you do it when you're not close by? That's a risk or a stress, I would say, that many have to consider. Like witnessing your parents' age and potentially dealing with their health issues while also being there for your kids during crucial years, as you say, it can be emotionally exhausting. But I also would argue that not being there for them physically can also be emotionally exhausting. And that I would say that many in the sandwich generation, including myself at times, do feel guilt and burnout as a result. So there's a thing called compassion fatigue, and it's real, and it can affect highly empathetic people even more. And finding balance through, as you mentioned, eating well, like your nutrition, your exercise program, taking time off, maybe counseling, having a hobby. I mean, these are just things that you can do for yourself. My wife is always telling me I need to learn how to nap. I hate it when she says that. Are you a napper, Greg? You know what? I used to believe strongly in napping and still do. As a young person, even in university, I'd go home after school and take a 45-minute nap. My wife, however, is more like you. She is a non-napper. And so I think since we've been married, I have had two or three naps, but that's only over a period of 28 years or so. So napping is, I believe, important. I believe the statistics on that, but I haven't partaken a lot lately. So zero to one naps per decade is what she's given you. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the data, as you say, is out there and being rested means that fulfilled individuals can just better care for those that are important to them. And this survey also found that among all adults with at least one parent age 65 or older, 30% say their parent or parents need assistance handling their affairs or care for themselves. So this can be a huge task when also caring for children, as we have been talking about. So by the year 2030, the U.S. will reach an unprecedented population demographic with the older generation surpassing the number of children for the first time ever. That's a pretty staggering uh, stat. Exactly. Well, and it raises an important point because when you talk about caring for your parents or aging parents, the first thing that comes to mind is providing physical care or financial assistance or something like that. But as you mentioned, it's not just that, but you actually have to take on many of their affairs, like as power of attorney, let's say, and dealing with their own financial situations and all the usual aspects of their life they used to handle by themselves. Absolutely. What about just getting groceries? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Things like that, running errands. Exactly. And so we've talked a little bit about the emotional side of things, but of course, the financial aspect is a significant challenge because the cost of caregiving can be substantial. You've got medical expenses, you might have in-home care or assisted living facilities, and that can put a strain on your own financial goals and retirement planning if you have to take over that responsibility. These new generations are facing hard challenges, especially within the last year and a half. But despite the never-ending list of things to do, the 2021 survey, surprisingly, 
and this will be a surprise to many, revealed that many in the sandwich generation report being more satisfied than other adults. And they ranked aspects like their family life, social life, community life, and personal financial situation on par or greater than those with different life events. There's an emotional and a financial responsibility, but obviously there's also a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction from having done it. So it's not an easy gig, obviously, being in that generation. But listen, there are those who find themselves in that position. There are some resources that are made available through assisted living centers and other care services, as well as financial support for caregivers. And so you have to make sure that from a financial standpoint, you take advantage of anything that might be available out there to assist with, you know, with the responsibility that you've taken on. So here's a couple of steps you can take to maybe minimize uh, the financial stress for both you as a the daughter or son uh, and for your parent as well, because there are government programs available. One program, these are federal government programs in Canada. One is the Compassionate Care Benefit or the CCB program. They provide employment insurance benefits and job protection to eligible family members for up to 28 weeks while they're caring for someone. I didn't know about that one. Did you know about that one? I've read about it, but I don't know all the details other than what I've just mentioned. But obviously, anybody who's in that position should certainly research it or talk to their accountant and make sure that they're capitalizing on any of these benefits, you know, EI benefits or other that are available. You can claim the Canadian caregiver credit when you file your income tax. That's another one. Some of these ones are income tested, by the way. So they're dependent on the income of your dependent parent in this case in order to qualify. So again, check the Government of Canada website or talk to your accountant. You can consider an application for the disability tax credit because a person with a severe and prolonged impairment in physical or mental function may be able to claim that disability amount. They're eligible. And caregivers of those dependents or spouses or common law partners might be eligible to have the disability tax credit amount transferred to their own tax return. So if the person you're caring for does not have a significant income, the caregiver can have that disability tax credit transferred to their own tax return, and that can be substantial. And lastly, you know, you can reach out to the local constituency offices of the provincial government or federal member of parliament for the most up-to-date provincial and federal assistance available to you, and you can get lots of help from those departments. So there are a lot of these programs that are available both federally and provincially, and it's worth taking time to understand what they are. For sure. I mean, you have to be aware. We're trying to do a good job of making people aware of some of the programs that are available because the reason this conversation even came up is because it came up in a meeting with somebody. And it's interesting when you're sitting there talking about asset allocation and portfolio performance and things like that. And then a discussion leads to, I don't know what my parents are going to do that live on an acreage in a rural area and my mom doesn't drive and my dad has health issues. And all of a sudden the conversation goes away from asset allocation to caregiving. And one of the things that just came to mind as you're talking there is we mentioned that the older age group will be larger than the younger age group for the first time in history. Doesn't that also mean that there's also going to be opportunity for the younger group to have secure jobs as a result of a declining labor force? Isn't that something? You would think so. And I don't know if when you look at the employment numbers in both Canada and the U.S., which are very high right now and sort of uh, lots of reports anecdotally about employers not being able to find workers. I don't know if that's a function of people that just 
took themselves out of the workforce during COVID, took that opportunity to retire early. And absolutely, that is going to create more openings for Gen Xers and millennials. Now, I got a question for you. Gen Zers or Gen Zers, as we call them in Canada, is that millennial or is that different? I'm confused on that. That's different. I believe the Gen Zs would be 26 years or so and under right now. And the millennials would be around 27, my daughter's age, or maybe 28. Up to 40. Yeah, up to 40 right now. Yeah, the total aside, but just sort of popped up because the other thing that I was thinking of is when we had our discussion last week, we talked about how advancements in AI and technology are going to lead to a reduction in technical skills that are required. But there is a, another statistic out there that says that 60% of all the jobs that we have right now didn't exist in 1940. And so if the labor force is declining because we've got an aging population and people are worried about AI taking away jobs, that doesn't that just point out that there will be new jobs and new fields going forward that we don't even know about yet? Okay, sorry, that was an aside. It took us down the, a rabbit hole there, Greg. That's all right. That can happen. Hey, it's our podcast. I guess we'll do what we want. Yeah, we'll talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about. I'm pressing the record button. Nobody else is, right? Okay, but getting back to our discussion for today, you mentioned all of the various programs that are available to people that are dealing with a sandwich generation issue. But there's also logistical challenges around coordinating appointments, managing medications, dealing with things like insurance, legal issues, I think it can sometimes feel like a full-time job to the person who's tasked with helping out their aging parent and their up-and-coming child. It's actually like having two full-time jobs, your regular work or three full-time jobs when you're looking after kids, your own kids, young adults possibly, you're helping them out, and your aging parents. So absolutely, it can be incredibly overwhelming. And therefore, certainly we encourage everyone, as we talked earlier, to seek support and resources to help because this is not a small issue. It's a large issue being dealt with by a huge number of people and the resources are available to deal with that because people providing those resources understand understand the issues pretty carefully. Yeah, for sure. That could be support groups, respite care. It could even be us, your financial advisor, which is what came up the other day. It's essential to communicate openly with your family members about your needs and limitations, though. I mean, it's, as I mentioned, I've got a brother in Vancouver who tells me I have to do more for my mom. It's very easy to say when you live in Vancouver and your mom lives in Calgary. It's very uh, different on the people that live close to the parent that are actually having to do the work. That's right. And I think you've raised possibly the most important point in all of this. And that is to the extent that you're able to have these discussions with your parents before they get into a situation where they're so you know highly dependent on you or highly dependent on someone to provide some of the services or the activities that they normally would have done, the sooner you can have those discussions, I think the more easily you can transition through that time of your parents being the ones that you depend on for support and possibly financial support to the other way around where you're now supporting them. And I know from the situations that I've been involved in, you mentioned your recent discussions with clients, and I've had many discussions with clients as well who are in that same position. And certainly the more you can plan in advance uh, for those kinds of things, I think the better the outcome can be. 
when things happen. Yeah, having that open discussion, I mean, it's something that I mentioned to these clients the other day who were not complaining, but voicing concern about how they had to take on the role of caregiver and their siblings were not. And uh, I said to them, well, have you ever thought about having a family meeting and just whether the parents were involved with it or not, at least getting on the same page with your siblings so you don't feel like you're the one that has to do everything. That's really important. And we've talked about family meetings in the past, and this is an area that I think is going to be more prevalent in the future, is just to have those open discussions with the generation ahead and the generation behind. And I guess that's how you deal with intergenerational wealth too, right? Yes, exactly. All right. Anything else on this? I think I would just finish off by saying, look, there are financial supports available. We talked about the federal government's various benefits and tax incentives for people that are caring for dependents, whether they're minors or whether they're adults and parents, and to just look for additional programs and funding. I mean, there's lots of programs out there, programs to help modify a vehicle if you need to uh, transport a, a person whose mobility is affected, or they need special medical equipment or assistive devices, et cetera, and lots of things available from disease or illness-specific organizations, whether it's muscular dystrophy, Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada, ALS Society, et cetera. So don't think you're in it alone and take advantage of anything that's available. And as you say, including your advisors. Right on. Well, that's probably a good place to end. As I said at the beginning, this topic came up because it came up in a meeting. I would encourage our listeners that if there's things you want us to talk about, let us know. We kind of talk about everything on this podcast, Greg. Everything from the intricate details of modern portfolio theory to some of the softer stuff. Like what happened to the killer bees? Like what happened to the killer bees? Those damn killer bees, they just disappeared. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, go back two episodes and listen to it. Exactly. All right. Okay, until next time. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminsky are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy. This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2023.